Tiger leather didn't need a lot done. They needed a little bit of tweak. They already had all their equipment. They had their leather, but that to give them some different leather. To understand as well, something that we've found is that the market for their products that they have and other artisans actually up there, they could be a little bit braver with colour. They could be a little bit braver with designs down right. here because it was more um, a modern. So, And there was something that didn't work. Like you're not going to sell handbags in Dubai. <laughs> of all places. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Forward, friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and this is episode three of our five-part series, talking about the artisans of Palestine. Kim, Tell us about the Tiger Leather Project in Hebron from Muhammad and Mahesan Dwake. Did I say that yes. right? Okay. Well, I'm probably not going to say it correctly either. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm tragic in that I only speak English. And after living in the Middle East for so long, my, my grandson's teaching me how to speak Arabic. I don't know. Bless his heart. Um, and I'm kind of jumping on, I have a, a friend, Gail, who is the mentor for Tiger Leather. Uh-huh. And um, it would be great if she was here speaking to you because mm-hmm. she's very passionate about it. But, you know, I'll, 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 I'll do my best and then she can she can criticize me if she wants to later <laughs> on. But um, Tiger Leather is a, uh, it's a young man called Muhammad and he, Hebron is a, a quite a big city in um, the West Bank. Mm-hmm. I went there in September and I met this family. I met Muhammad and it was my first time going into Hebron and it was actually a revelation for me because uh, I had seen uh, photos and videos of the old town where there's the, the fence above the markets where there's a lot of conflict and it looks mm-hmm. quite intimidating and scary driving into Hebron it's the most beautiful uh really yeah and lots of fruit trees growing um grapes were in season at the time I've never tasted grapes that were so good um figs uh it was just we were very lucky it was the best time to be there was still warm but very very green and for me, I already knew that the, the West Bank is, is a very fertile area with mm-hmm. quite a lot of water. So it's, it grows a lot of the food down there, which is part of the reason why there's so many, um, you know, legal settlements because of the water and the, the food security that they need. But Hebron is crazy beautiful and it's a very, very big town, city as well. Um, Muhammad is a young man who was already making really nice leather handcrafts. Uh, Hebron is really famous for two things that I know of. I'm, I could be wrong, but the leather work and the glass. They do okay. um, glass down there as well. And um, Gail is the ambassador or the mentor that is working with Tiger Leather. Gail is a very successful interior designer here. And she was on the original, one one of the people that was on the original hike with us when we were in 2019. Mm. She's originally Scottish. She's tiny and feisty and very clever. And Muhammad actually didn't need a lot of help. He he makes his um, leather work in a workshop under his family home. Mm-hmm. Uh, his sister Reem is crazy clever. I have to try and remember what she is, but she she's a scientist. She I'll I'll see if I can 
find where what it is, but she she can't work in Jerusalem at the moment because there's no Palestinians that can move out of the West Bank because of the conflicts at the moment. So she's mm. helping Muhammad, and she often does help him anyway because Muhammad, uh, we can communicate, but it's not as easy, whereas Reem is very uh, proficient with her English. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the moment... Muhammad Reem and their parents are all helping him work on the on the leather, on tiger leather. It's a beautiful brand. Uh, Gail has helped just by making some very small tweaking improvement designs mm-hmm. with things like um, sunglass cases, um, beautiful leather-bound notebooks that um, I all my friends have been getting those as gifts. Mm-hmm. Um uh, they she's helping them to make designs for iPads and uh, laptops for people like me that move around. You know, now that's one thing following COVID. You know, you can work from anywhere basically, and it's mm-hmm. something that's a lot more accepted. Uh, we they were they were selling their products by going to local markets, and I think um, through connections we've met some other people up there that already had established. Uh, platforms that were not bringing their products here to the United Arab Emirates, but they, for more than 10 years, a business like Handmade Palestine was sending their products up to America, to the US. Mm-hmm. She has a very big platform and network, a successful uh, platform for for handicrafts of different um, products that were similar to what we were trying to do. So the lady's name was Morgan. She's married to a Palestinian. They have two small children and they live in Ramallah. So when we were there in September, rather than trying to reinvent the wheel, we'd reached out to her to ask if she would like to meet us so that we could talk about the products that she had that we could bring down to the United Arab Emirates. Mm. And then there were products like um, this tiger leather that she wasn't sourcing that would she be interested in looking at some of those so that they could try and get the products to the States as well. So that's something. And she has already a lot longer experience that she was happy to share with us about um, what she believed her customers were looking for in the States. Mm -hmm. And um, Gail had helped Muhammad to go to some trade shows uh, in Istanbul and places where there were other um, leather mm-hmm. craftsmen where he could look at sourcing a different type of leather. So she's using her expertise not to get his products into her, um, the work she's doing with the hotels that she designs, because that's what she does. She does interior design for hotels, but more using her network of other suppliers where she can connect him to that that end of the supply chain. And then as artisans, we're bringing his products down here and now we are able to tap him into the market in the States. So for anyone, like I know you were worried about being a white Kiwi woman coming on here talking about this. A little white lady, I think is what I see. Um. And I know for sure that there are going to be people like, oh, why is there a white woman talking about Palestine? Mm-hmm. This is why there's a white woman talking about Palestine. There are so many things that we've done for the coffee business where we've worked with consultants, where we were you know, getting ready to do a refresh of our brand. Mm-hmm. And 
collecting analytics and data on who our customers are and that mm-hmm. type of thing. And then realizations that, okay, our job as a roaster is to tell the story of where uh-huh. the coffee comes from. And then our our job as a roaster and a cafe operator is to use coffee to connect people. Mm-hmm. You can do that with other products. It's the same as... Um, I think a lot of the rules, and you would know this, a lot of the rules that you have for being a good business owner relate to any product or service. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we we feel deeply connected to coffee because that's the industry we work in. Yeah. But actually the rules of of running a good ethical coffee business can be applied to any business. Yep. It's just the difference in product. Yeah, and sometimes it might be communication. You know, I think the, you know, dealing as a as a buyer of green coffee around the world, you know, it's hard sometimes communicating with people where you where you're forced they have to speak English to you because that's the only language you speak. And mm-hmm. you know, maybe culturally there are things that we shouldn't do because we don't know the the right way to behave. I, I think there's a lot that you can forgive when it's over a cup of coffee. A hundred percent. For a little yeah. while, and you you go through the and the Middle East is great for that because you always start a a, a business discussion with an Emirati calmly over a cup of coffee. Yep. Yep. And and there's a, there's a protocol and a way to behave. And you know, at the beginning, I'm mortified because I probably didn't know what it was, and I just launched into whatever I wanted to talk about. But you know. I, I think there's one thing as you get older, it's okay to realize you've made mistakes in the past, but you yeah. should um, learn because it, to be respectful, you're both going to get end up with a better outcome. Yeah, I'm learning how to do, how to forgive <laughs> myself from the past mistakes. Uh, but, yeah. you know, that's a work well, in progress. Because you, you can't change the past. You no, can't you can't. Past. No, but you can't. But hopefully we can change the future and mm-hmm. working towards a, you know, a more. Uh, you know, for our, our industry of coffee, you know, there's only going to be specialty coffee if we pay fair prices. And there's only going yep. to be specialty coffee. And and the differentiation between commodity or, you know, franchise, big global chains and what we're all trying to do as a, an owner-operator, if we're better at what they do. And, you know, part of the reason they're good at what they do is because they're consistent. Yeah. They're consistent with communication. They're consistent with their product. You know, we have to take bits from different industries that work and try and apply them, I think, to be better and to always aim to continue being better. You know, even if it's only that 1% rule, you know, that you each day you try and be 1% better than what you were the day before. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mapper Forward's first on-demand workshop, How to Become a Coffee Consultant, available now online for you to learn at your own pace with a certificate available upon completion. Click the link in the show notes to access today for just 50 euros. Tiger Leather didn't need a lot done. They needed a little bit of tweak. They already had all their equipment. They had their leather, but that to give them some different leather, to understand as well, something that we've found is that the market for their products that they have and other artisans actually up there, they could be a little bit braver with colour. They could be a little bit braver with designs down right. here because it was more um, a modern. So, And there was something that didn't work. Like you're not going to sell handbags in Dubai 
<laughs> of all places. <laughs> we've, got, we've got all of the handbags from everywhere else in the world. Like, I had a friend called Hand Me Down Handbag. I'm not a normal Emirati woman. But, but there are people that still, it's very important that you have the right handbag. But to know what the market's looking for, that's yeah. a... But, you know, that's a luxury that we have that we can say, look, I'm really sorry, they're not going to work. And probably belts and things like that too, fashion things. But there are many things that are more artisan that people love. So mm. these are the things we want to concentrate on. And it's just, and, and I think building, um, going back to coffee, the reason that we have good coffee that keeps getting better, I think, year on year is because we have trust with our relationships. Mm. So then it's building trust with these guys, these these um, producers in, in, in Palestine or wherever it would be, because if they trust that we're, we have a good intention, we're not just trying to take their products and sell it for more and they're not giving money and we're actually trying to work with them so that they're successful and we can send the money back to them, that's success for us. Yeah. And it's a deep responsibility. I think that that's the differentiating factor in the specialty coffee industry than in other form parts of the industry is that we have the ability to form these direct relationships with producers and then go on to have these relationships that can be generation changing. Yep. And it is a responsibility. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, um, I, I personally, and I think my business partner, Matt, feels the same way. We have a, a deep sense of responsibility to the farmers we work mm -hmm. with, to the um, the team we have working with us. Mm. You know, we have to make really good decisions because there's a lot of people that rely on us. And yeah. I haven't said customers. You know, I'm more concerned mm. about the relationship with the farmers and team. I definitely care about the customers because we need to be a sustainable, viable business to be able to look after those other two. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's a solution-driven concept, whereas the relationship and the trust, that comes from that comes from your team and it comes from your suppliers. Yeah, yeah. We have a couple episodes left to go and we have two more businesses that we're going to talk about. In the next episode, let's talk about the the glass jewelry company. The silversmithing. The silver um, silversmithing. Jewelry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Galacia. 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 So join us mm -hmm. for the next episode, folks. And and I just want to uh, you know if you check the show notes, there are some YouTube videos that are connecting in with so that you can get a visual reference. Um, for these businesses and uh, it's just beautiful artisanship so so make sure you check the show notes okay join us for the next episode friends peace love and peanut butter have an amazing rest of your day Thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Map It Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast, as well as more information on Map It Forward, head to mapitforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below.